Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 428. And what you hear is the sound of history repeating. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Still exhausted. reeling from the uh, weekend high of uh, Avengers Endgame and episode three of Great Game of Thrones. The Long Nights. And the finale of the Orville. Oh, yeah, that was good. I don't that watch that anymore. I need to catch up. but You're missing out. This second season's been phenomenal. Really has. What'd you guys think of Endgame? I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I can't wait to see it again. It did not we feel won't... Uh, like three hours at all. No, it really didn't. We won't spoil anything because there are still a lot of people that haven't seen it. So I, uh, I quite thoroughly enjoyed it myself. I do feel that maybe it was a slight, didn't quite live up to the, uh, well, I mean, how could you from uh, where Infinity War left off? But uh, it, it resolved and it, it resolved things quite nicely in a very comic booky fashion that, uh, that I was happy with. So, well, you're wrong about that first part, but yeah, I think it lived up to it. And it, really, I, I think, think it resolved things well enough that I really don't have, I have very little complaints. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm complaining by any stretch of the imagination. I just, uh, and emotionally, know, it, it, it was uh, very satisfying. It was Here's a old very man satisfying Sean. movie. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very satisfying conclusion. And I, I, I guess I could say that if I had a complaint, it was that it was very, very um, dependent upon. I mean, it, it, it literally was the end capstone of this 22 uh, movie. <laughs> adventure and um i i felt like wow this this was you you had to be on your game for this one because there were a lot of fanboy moments in it i don't even think they're fanboy moments and the reason i say that is if they were fanboy moments they would have been like heavy references to the comics but these were heavy references to the marvel cinematic universe which everybody that is watching this movie to this point should have been relatively familiar with the arcs that have been going on throughout the MCU for all phases. So I don't even think they were fanboy references. I it's think they were fan, I think heavy. they were they were fan continuity payoffs. Heavy. There you go. They were fan payoffs is what they were. Yeah, they were definitely payoffs. Yeah. No. It was very, very good. I can't wait to see it again. We're definitely oh. gonna go check it out in IMAX. So I think Mason Ooh. and I are gonna go again uh tomorrow night. I wanna go see it again very soon. <laughs> And then uh, Game of Thrones, which had an epic battle this week, which was amazing and had this huge twist at the end that I didn't see coming. Me neither. I, I enjoyed it also. Although it, uh, after seeing Endgame, it didn't quite live up to the emotional stakes that I had with Endgame. Uh, Part of that, I think, is also, you know, watching it at home where you I can pause it and you know, it's, it was an hour, what, 20 minutes and it. Yeah. Plus you don't have a crowd around you that's cheering every time something. Yeah. 
And it took me longer than that to watch the actual episode. So, you know, <laughs> there were breaks and, you know, I got sucked out of it and stuff like that. So I'm much more need... emotionally invested in the um, MCU than yeah. I am in, no, in Game I, of Thrones. So I, I, I totally, totally get that. I need to see Endgame again just because there was so much cheering and, and rightfully so. I was glad that, that people were reacting the way they were to Endgame, but I need to go see it with fewer people now so that I can catch a few of the little lines that got laughed over or cheered over or yeah anyway i watched another movie about superheroes teaming up to defeat a bald bad guy oh you watched justice league finally no i already seen that one oh (laughs) spider-man into the spider-verse oh (laughs) (laughs) which was also phenomenal that was really good uh that's gonna be a must own uh and rewatch frequently a lot of fun. Very, very well done. And the animation was phenomenal. I just, it, I loved, I loved every bit of it. Isn't it a crazy from a movie that a year ago we were kind of saying, Oh, this, what, what's this going to be? It's going to be its thing. And you know, nobody's really going to care because it's not MCU and it's, you know, and, we, and just walking or just walking away from that film going, wow, that was just amazing. Yeah. It's so well done. And I enjoyed Lego movie. But I didn't think it was all that in the bag of chips like everyone else did. But this, I mean, it's because it's a, since it's the same guys, I think it's just you know heads and heads above everything they've done before. It was just yeah. I can't wait for more out of this multiverse. <laughs> cool. Did you guys do anything else this week? We watched Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, that's pretty fun. It was fun. It, it, it surprised me. Um, it, it kind of, by the time you get to the end, it's kind of de-evolved into a fairly standard um, rom-com. But yeah. there were a lot of things throughout it that, it, you know, first of all, it's very funny. Um, and um, having an all-Asian cast uh, was, was certainly different. It's not something you, you, you normally get a lot of. And I really appreciated the fact that, because it's set in Singapore, and normally when a big budget American movie goes to the East, we get a lot of back alleys. We get a lot of, oh, the, the, the triad is uh, hanging out over here and the, you know, the ninjas are coming and it's, it's, it's all about the dangers and the peril. Uh, and, and this very much played out like a, a travel log. Singapore is beautiful. I'm ready to go visit Singapore <laughs> after watching this movie. So, All right. Well, let's move on to our feedback then. First up in feedback is Jamie. Jamie writes, hello, Vortexers. I'm steadily progressing through your wonderful podcast and quickly approaching episode 100. Keep up the great work. Replies, I agree with your answer to my question about 13's replacements, gender, and or race. I think it's still too early to tell. Still, it was nice to hear your thoughts. Moving on, episode 89, the dinosaur episodes, Invasion and Spaceship. RFD-TV channel 231 on Dish Network, if it isn't then, it was, and home to Tractor Auctions, Hee Haw, and Big Joe Polka Show. Nice that you got the opportunity to work on a TV show. (laughs) He's referring there, of course, when we worked on uh, Tough Grit. Yes. There, that's out of the way. I don't mind Invasion of the Dinosaurs. The plot was fine, and the dinosaurs, for the budget that Doctor Who had, weren't too bad. Though, if I remember the special features, nobody was happy with how they turned out. 
they're a little better if you speed it up a one and a half or two times normal speed. <laughs> I hadn't tried That's that. That's one way to that, watch it. You know, that might not be a bad way to watch some of Pertwee's uh, longer stories anyway. <laughs> As for Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, I enjoyed it. It's fun. The dinosaurs look great. Rory's dad was great. The villain was well done. You mentioned the Doctor's gang. Do you see any correlation between that and a Chibnall written episode and the 13th Doctor referring to her companions as fam? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Episode 90, Doctor Who Goes West. I didn't mind the gunfighters. That's not even a better title, I think, than what we had. Isn't it? <laughs> I didn't mind the gunfighters. It's a fun, light romp after the weirdness of the Celestial toy maker. I didn't really care for the ballad, though. As to the, those are fighting words. You're going to get guns dander up now. <laughs> Some people As have to, no taste. <laughs> <laughs> no, As I to, kid. I kid. I kid. I know that it's not everybody's cup of tea. As to the topic of original songs in Doctor Who, I can't wait for episode 188 when you cover Doctor Who and the Pirates. As for Western films to watch, my favorites are Chisholm, El Dorado, and Hondo, all starring John Wayne, and Shane starring Alan Ladd. I've never seen a Clint Eastwood Western. Oh, you should try them. They're good. They are good. I can't think of a bad one. Not that those are bad choices, but... No, uh, those are great choices. Although I have never seen Chisholm. That's probably one of the few John Wayne films I have not seen. Episode 91... First of all, loved your bit about 991st episode. That should definitely go in a best of episode and maybe be recycled if you guys do hit 900. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost halfway there. As to the subject of Battlefield, I really enjoyed this one. Everyone got something to do. The effects were good and the BBC does explosions well. <laughs> I enjoyed Brigadier Bambera a lot and was pleased when she returns in the lost story Animal from Big Finish. The Power of Three. I didn't care for this one. It was boring, and the villain was very meh. There were good moments, at least based on your comments, and I liked the reintroduction of Kate Stewart. She'd previously appeared in Downtime, as she goes on to great things, including the unit box sets from Big Finish. However, I felt that it barely had enough material for one episode. It definitely didn't need to be two parts, as some suggest. I don't remember who said that. Probably I me. I, I, don't I don't think I would. <laughs> because, you know. I, I think the complaint was the fact that there was all this great family stuff and them waiting. And then the villain was so short-changed that it needed more to flesh out the villain. Yeah, that's probably true. But I, I kind of, I don't, I don't remember how I reviewed it back then. But hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back at it now, I don't think. I, I kind of think I would echo Jamie's sentiments here. I think there's a lot of nothing going on for a long time. It also looks a lot like, uh, you know, some of 13 stuff and the feel and tone. and Yeah, stuff. yeah, that's true. Style, focusing on the characters instead of the villain. Wow, sometimes your predictions are spot on. Chris Chibnall being groomed to be the next showrunner. We heard it first on Traveling the Vortex in 2012. <laughs> See the two hour 14 mark approximately. We will totally take credit. <laughs> One thing that your discussions bring to mind about blowing up the ship and possible survivors, as well as your discussions of the star whale from Beast Below when talking about the Dark Doctor in relation to the previous episode, is that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Has the Doctor, Eleven in particular, 
taken to Vulcan philosophy. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> 12 definitely does. I don't think that was a question for us. I think that was rhetorical. <laughs> anyway, moving on to episode 92, The Weeping Angels and the Pond's Last Hurrah. I remember enjoying this. The story is good and the Pond's farewell is emotional. I agree. The Statue of Liberty was just kind of gimmicky and not the good kind. <laughs> On the topic of the doctor, never able to visit Amy and Rory again. I think that the time dilation or excuse me, the time distortion that prevents the doctor from saving them is centered around them rather than New York as the eighth doctor was, is able to land in New York in October, 1938 as seen in invaders from Mars. Of course, publishing dates may also play into this, but in universe, this seems off. <laughs> I certainly think that, um, I think originally when we reviewed that, we, we wondered that if it, it, it counted the entire year or era, you know, the surrounding year, I think since then we've kind of said that it's, it's more localized than that. Episode 93, the Sonic one. I've never seen the visitation. It was one that I hadn't gotten around to before. And I started my big watch through as to the Sonic itself. Yes, it, the potential, to, it has the potential to be overused, but I still like it. As far as designs go, I like the 12th doctors the best, not the shades, the actual screwdriver. <laughs> Is the Sonic overused? Yes, probably. Should its functions be limited and rules be drafted for it? Yes. And maybe you guys touched on this, but I'd like to say that in universe, as time has gone on, the doctor has upgraded and modded his Sonic and the time war was a big jump in upgrades. Also in universe, the psychic paper was a CIA invention. So make of that what you will in the real world. I would say the writers have overused and become over-reliant on these devices. But when you only have 45 to 50 minutes to tell a story instead of 100 or four 25 minute parts, you have to find some way to save time. Anyway, that's my take on the Sonic discussion. Other comments. I see episodes are going on YouTube. Now this seems like the best opportunity to add visuals as part of the episode. Listen on our website or your device to watch YouTube channel for bonus material, stuff like that. Another place to check for feedback. Although based on the number of views, you may want to advertise it a bit more. Anyway, that's all for now. I plan on taking a break from your podcast to listen to a few other things when I reach your 100th episode. Don't worry, I will return. If nothing else, you'll get to catch up with my feedback. However, I still have seven episodes left before then. Keep up the good work, Jamie. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Jamie. Jamie. All right. Well, we have well, more feedback. Let's do our other piece of feedback. It comes from Robert. He writes, Blu-ray episode. Hello, Sorry, I haven't written in quite a while, but I haven't had much to say. I've mainly been writing, writing, and writing some more. Just wanted to drop this quick note your way. I did hear on this week's episode that you're going to talk about the releases of Classic Who on Blu-ray and whether you should buy them or stick with DVDs. I'd suggest that you also consider the notion of keeping physical media or moving to BritBox or any future streaming options. I may have thoughts on thoughts about that but I'll save them for after the pod, after the episode comes out. Yours, Robert. Yeah, that's Thank not you, Robert. this that's episode. episode. That's the next episode we'll be talking about that. So, well, that's let's move on for to feedback. the topic at hand, which is Enemy of the Daleks. Bliss used to be a paradise planet. The, Galacobo, the, Gal, Gal, the Galapagos Islands of Space. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Uh, yeah, really. But when the TARDIS begins 
brings the doctor, Ace, and Hex to Bliss, it's been overrun with ironweed plants, and the air is heavy with the stench of burnt silk and static electricity. Worse, the Daleks are coming on the trail of a lost patrol of starship troopers. Hold up on the Rourke 279 research facility. Lieutenant Beth Stokes is preparing her last stand against the invaders. But there's a secret on Bliss. A secret guarded by the obsessive Professor Shimura. This time, could it, could it be the Daleks need saving? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was, it was okay. It was an alright episode. It had Daleks, so it satisfied my urges, but it, <laughs> it, it was, I, I didn't love it, but it was uh, pretty run of the meal mill as far as an Alex story goes. And not that it didn't have some clever ideas and some different things. It wasn't like a repeat of anything, but the tone and structure of it seemed very much like a Dalek story. And so, you know, it ticked all the boxes, but overall, I just kind of thought, you know, that was, that was okay. It was an enjoyable list. I do feel like there's more that could have been done with either, you know, just stripping away one or the other of the major plot points or scaling back, making the Daleks more of an oncoming threat than a, you know, clear and present danger and focusing more on the the abominations that have been created or I don't know. It just felt like there was a little, just too much going on in the story that it could have been a little simpler and made it a little bit better. I think had you made the Daleks more than a clear and present danger, there would have been a way too much more. I think if you'd had that kind of impending doom scenario, I think that it, it would have got more complex. And so I was kind of glad that the, Daleks were relegated to an invading force and were, you know, in order to uh, dispatch this plan that the professor had in order to you know, misguided plan that the, the, the professor had. It was another thing, too, is is the misguidedness of the plan. It just the, the man seemed too smart to get that far ahead of himself and not realize the repercussions that were coming. Because my first thought when it's revealed what these things are, my initial first thought was what happens when they, when they, you know, chew through all the Daleks. I mean, they're going to go number one, they set it up by showing uh, them or having them basically eat everything in the laboratory. And I thought, so there's your number one issue is it's, they're not Dalek focused, they are metal focused. They're machine focused. And right. so there's there's very little you can do to control something like that when the urge is there to feed. And so I kind of felt that that was, that was uh, almost too short-sighted to a fault as far as the character goes because the man was clearly a genius. Well, near genius, as the, as the doctor says, almost a genius. But he just... With not having foreseen that, just seemed unbelievable to me. Yeah, I. <clears throat> at, at first, I thought this was a really kind of cool idea, um, because so frequently the Dalek episodes are the Daleks being this unstoppable force, and we're supposed to be afraid of them, but it's difficult to keep that fear up because they've been defeated so regularly within 
Doctor Who. <laughs> um, and, and so somewhere in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, I'm, I'm here, I'm along for the ride, but I know how this is going to work out. And it's a base under siege story. And so we're, we're kind of going along. And then these things show up and it becomes a, suddenly a, a very interesting, oh, oh, this is going to get good because, yeah, I want to root for something to go take the Daleks apart. But the, the, the swarm creatures kind of fall into that generic robot bad guy of the month, uh, almost kind of, uh, mentality as well. I mean, we've got a mad scientist, we've got a, a, a creation that's going to turn Tick. on the mad scientist. We've got, you Tick. know, boom, 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 boom. that's me. That's the sound of me ticking off the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and ultimately it becomes very, as you said, kind of run of the mill, it becomes very not satisfying. And, um, I, I, I was almost wanting to feel some sympathy for the Daleks. I wanted something that was going to be so scary that it was just going to go out and decimate them. And I don't know, maybe it should have been turned loose on the galaxy. Maybe they should have got off planet and then we could have dealt with the, uh-oh, now what? But maybe well, that's too big well, a story. I don't that's know. That's too big like of a story, I think. tries to get there with the Black Dalek and, you know, him asking to be exterminated from the doctor by the doctor and you know, the, the eggs being planted in it. But at that point it's so far along the storyline that it's not, the impact isn't there. Exactly. Yeah. The black dialogue. Yeah. I had, I had very little sympathy for, uh, actually <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, you, you deserve that. I was really excited at first. And then disappointed that this planet they were on wasn't Kimball and, or that the thorns that they talked about weren't Varga thorns. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally thought it was going to be like a new, a new Kimball or, you know, that's sort why of. there are all these thorns in this desolated planet is because, you know, the Daleks were there and a real missed opportunity not to have yeah. some sort of Varga thorn reference. Very much seemed yeah. like a great opportunity to do that, that then, you know, could have tied back into that, that then just didn't quite, didn't get there. The other thing that I thought was exciting was the fact that the doctor knows that he's got to be there to make sure some atrocity goes through. And so I was really excited by the prospect of that. You know, what is this? What's going to happen? And it follows through with that idea. But I think the problem that I have is, it ultimately sets up a Genesis of the Dalek scenario where he has to commit genocide in order to prevent further atrocities later down the line. And I think that it ended up being a, it became a, a, an emotional, not emotional, it became a story crutch to have the lieutenant be the one that sets the self-destruct. And I know why they did it. They did it so that the doctor didn't have to be the one to pull the trigger. But the problem that I have with that is despite the fact that the doctor didn't uh, pull the trigger, he was a, uh, an accomplice to the situation. He, you know, he's, he's, what do they say, complicit to uh, the crime? I mean, he, he, uh, he essentially sets it up so that she can do it, uh, you know. And so ultimately he doesn't get out of being the one to cause genocide. He's complicit in the crime. So, or no, that's not even a crime at that point, but he's complicit to the, to the, to the morality of that as is ACE and 
Hex, although you kind of have some more forgivance for Ace because of how she's developed as a character that I think she would have pulled the trigger easily without even really kind of batting an eye at it. Now, Hex is the more emotional part of it because he's it's he's really starting to fall apart as a character not not mm-hmm. in, in storytelling but as a, as emotionally as as things are are, are 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 dragging on him and really affecting him emotionally now which i i like that that was one of the things that i think was developed nicely in this is that hex is really kind of maybe second guessing his his role in this whole thing and so i i appreciated that but it doesn't really get the doctor out of the conundrum of being the one that, you know, causes the genocide by just having the Lieutenant do it because, which is a whole nother problem is that the the Lieutenant, the character was so paint by numbers. I mean, it just, everything that came about with that character was, I don't want to say it was predictable, but it wasn't surprising. And so I kind of felt that that was a bit of a missed opportunity there too, to develop her character you know, differently than any other character that's been in that situation or gone through what she's gone through. And then I, I found a lot of grown moments when she was, you know, she would talk about her, her family and how she was in this like concentration camp. And I just kept thinking, well, yeah, I mean, that's sad. I'm sorry. And it does emotionally scar you, but this just feels like a lot of others that have come before you. Well, that and well, then why did you f- sign up to fight this war if you're so emotionally scarred by what happened in the Stalag camp? Right, How are you right. a lieutenant? Shouldn't you not be in charge of anything and, you know, off, be off somewhere dealing with your issues? I'm sorry, but if you're going to, I know, you know, it's a very traumatic experience, but you got to compartmentalize when you're a soldier and when you're in command. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I started to have a little sympathy for her near the end, more so when she started to move past it. But I was very frustrated with her as a character of, you should not be doing this. You have responsibilities that you just need to kind of push it down and move forward and deal with what you're dealing with. Yeah, and it tries to make her... It tries to make her the savior of the peace, and the problem is, is that she'd already fallen too far by, uh, you know, allowing the events to happen and uh, the sacrifice, or not sacrifice, but the death of the sergeant, who was very much the person that uh, is who the characters painted as, as this warrior type that you know doesn't take anything from from the Daleks. And had she, Khan, had more sympathy towards Beth. I would have had more sympathy towards Beth. Yes, agreed. Or and, or, and, or at least worked in a moment that right. Yeah, but she was so fed up with her commander that it made me fed up with her commander. Yeah, I agree. As far as the genocide stuff goes, it it didn't bother me. It didn't have. I don't think it had the impact it was supposed to. Partially because a they don't make the the creatures sympathetic in any, any manner. They're monsters. They are a plague. And I didn't see it very, any different than, you know, wiping out the measles. Yeah. Yeah. They may be sentient, but just barely and not, and not advanced enough to really matter when it's, you know, the entire galaxy at stake. 
And it's not like in Genesis where you're weighing the odds of, oh, look at all the allegiances and all the alliances and all the, while the Daleks did horrible, horrible things, some good things did come out of this. They did not present anything good that could come out of these creatures other than the destruction of the Daleks. And then by de facto, assumedly the destruction of the Cybermen, because once the Daleks are gone, they're going to go need to feed on more metal and then they go attack Cybermen. But other than that, which is just more wanton destruction, I did not see any plus side of leaving these creatures alive. So I thought the genocide arguments wasn't a very strong one against doing it. Right. Uh, I, but I it did like the, it certainly the, doesn't leave it as an atrocity. You know, they're, no, they're using that word does not. way too, way too, um, way too sparingly. Yeah, definitely. But I did like the, the discussion of or not, not sparingly enough, I guess. Is that, sorry. Right. Uh, the discussion with the, the scientist, uh, comparing him to Davros. I did like that aspect a lot. That was a really great moment between the two of them. Yeah. Like I said, there were, there were moments that really, really worked. I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the, the, the starship troopers elements when they were within the fleet trying to protect the, the civilians. Once they got away from that and started the infighting between the two characters, it became less interesting to me. Yeah. I enjoyed the professor. I, I thought he was an interesting character until he kind of devolved into the the one note, oh, you're you're that mad scientist. Okay. Yeah. Right. We, we, we've seen that before. Um, and I liked the continued relationship between ace and hex and the the kind of the little nuggets that they dropped that <laughs> despite everything despite all of the the wars they've been dropped into there's still atrocities that are going on and hex hasn't quite acclimated to um which was kind of interesting and um i, I really liked i thought hex showed a lot of um I don't want to say want to say growth, but he showed a lot of uh, admirable qualities in this one, um, trying to stay behind and help the the people in the in the sick bay, mm-hmm. uh, despite everything. Um, which that in, that scene in particular, when the Daleks were coming through the door, was pretty intense. Yeah, um, several of those moments, I was like, "How are they actually going to get out of that one?" I'm not yeah. sure they should have. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't know if that actually works or not. And then the doctor, I, I, I liked the idea that they were going with this moral and ethical dilemma, but yeah, we just didn't quite, when, when you're standing in the shadow of Genesis, it's really tough to get out of the shadow of Genesis, unfortunately. And right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the seventh doctor is certainly a, a, a great nominee to put up there and see what happens. But, uh, well, that's what I, I agree with that. I think it, I don't think any other doctor could have starred in this of the of the classic series doctors. I don't think any other doctor could have been placed in this situation and handled it as well as the seventh doctor did. So I appreciated the fact that this was a seventh doctor story for sure. Mm-hmm. Somebody set a timer for uh, pizza rolls. My Ooh, computer's pizza rolls? rebooting yet again. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, when you lose power, all of your devices take the opportunity to install uh, 20 updates. <laughs> <laughs> Hershey Windows. 
Um, just to revisit the comments that I made before, I just, I, it, 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 it's not an awful story. It's, it was, it was enjoy, enjoyable enough. And I, I think part of that is I'm, I'm, I'm a bit biased because it was Daleks and I do enjoy a Dalek story there. To me, there are very few bad Dalek stories. And so this was another one of those. And I think because of its run of, run of the mill nature, it, it felt like a comfortable, like pair of shoes for me. It just, you know. Oh, hey, Daleks, I love this. Um, one thing I do want to comment on for sure, um, nice use of the, the metal uh, soundtrack. Um, I think it, yeah. it was very much meta and appropriate to do so. Um, and I, I, I spotted it or, or noticed it um, very early on that, uh, wow, this is quite a different soundtrack for a Doctor Who story. And when we got to the meat of the issue, the fact that they, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, creatures were would feed on metal. I thought, well, that's just a really, you know, appropriate choice for, for a heavy driving music soundtrack for a story that, that has everything to do with, you know, metal. So that was kind of, it gave it I, such I a different feel. Well. And it, it almost gave it more of a, a threats, a more ominous feel to the entire thing too. Like it gave it a additional, energies that i didn't think it would have otherwise yeah totally it made it a darker um story yeah uh, just because it had kind of an edge to it yeah i noticed that as well and kind of thought the same thing it was like that it, it was not only an interesting sound um for the incidental music but uh it, it was good music it was it was like yeah this is i kind of like this um but it, it so appropriately fit the scenario that had been been set up for it and it did very much lend to the atmosphere it uh, made me think that because this story would have been set around the time that doctor who was on television in the late 80s i kind of thought you know that this kind of soundtrack would have worked for even the tv series um mm -hmm. you know withstanding uh, metal eating monsters I think there were a lot of stories in uh, Sylvester McCoy's era that this this type of soundtrack and this type of tone for a soundtrack I think would have worked um, perfectly. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really liked about the story, and I I think I mentioned this every time we kind of have a Ace and Hex story, is their continuation to call the Doctor on his crap, yeah, uh, <laughs> being manipulative and all of that stuff. I. I just continue to enjoy it, and I like that it's a continuing thread. Well, they really went to town with it this time, and it's, yes. in the past, they've sort of lamented the fact or seemed frustrated with it, and now they kind of take it in stride and just use it as almost an inside joke with the two. And so I like how that has fundamentally changed from, wow, he just leaves us out of everything. Of course, you know, I, what else would you expect to... Hey, he leaves us out of everything. Well, what else would you expect? You know, so it's it changed totally from the way that they were they were pushing that issue, and so I thought that was a neat change, sticking with that uh, narrative, but changing the uh, attitude towards it. I thought was clever. Right. Anything else you guys want to say about this uh, particular story? I don't think so. All right. Yeah. Well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, which should post, uh, which should be posted by the time you listen to this, 
Uh, our next episode is Am I Blue? Discussing the three classic series Blu-ray box sets that are available and uh, the special features and we're going to take an in-depth look into those and whether or not you should upgrade. Uh, as well as, uh, as Robert suggested, I kind of like the idea of adding in should you maybe, uh, you know, ditch physical media altogether? The answer, right. of course, is no. But I'm I sure already know what that. you're going to say. <laughs> Glenn will have a different answer to that. <laughs> the uh, The following week is uh, Big Finish Story number 105, The Condemned. Uh, without looking ahead, I look forward to responses on that one. Uh, and I went ahead and pushed the book review off one more week just to give us a little extra time with it. Uh, so I certainly I'm could done. use it. Oh, are you done already? No, but right. I'm nearly done. I'm look, look the way to show us all up there. I'm probably so. about eight chapters away, I think, from being. Finished. Oh wow! I, I could use a little more time with it, so I pushed it I'll off. Show, a week. I'll show my show my hand. It's a good read. So I'm about. I don't know how they, I don't know how they're going to wrap it up, but. but uh, so the following week will be another big finish: the Doomwood Curse, uh, which is number one eleven, and then our book review: Doctor Who Meets Scratchman by Tom Baker. So it's two and beyond that will be on the website, two big finish audios. And then, and then the book. Yes. Oh, wow. You really pushed it out. All right. Uh, Keith, if people want to help support this uh, podcast, what do they do? Well, uh, just head to our website, travinthevortex.com and there's a Patreon, uh, button you can press and you can donate any amount of money however often or once, whichever you'd rather. And all that money comes straight back to us. And by being a Patreon member, you get access to some extra stuff occasionally whenever we feel like we can put out some <laughs> additional material. <laughs> when, when we can. <laughs> yes. Exclusive stuff that only Patreon subscribers get. Uh, you can also check out our Spreadshirt store. That's still active, right? It is still active. As yeah, well. go fact, buy some was... Traveling the Vortex merch and rep us at a... Local convention. I was actually on there the other day because I'm working on some new designs. So. Ooh, how exciting! Yes. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, uh, of course, don't forget you can feed. feed you can send feedback to uh, feedback travelingthevortex.com, and we'd love to hear um, your opinions on uh, Doctor Who Blu-rays. You going to get them? Do you already have them? And uh, what do you think of them? And uh, we'll include that next week's show as well. Well, that's going to do it for this time. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. Uh, Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.